0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Speak the Truth Podcast. I am your co-host, Matt Tardio. As you can see, the other co-host, Rob Turkla. well, he's still in the house, as quiet as ever, just sitting there. But you guys, you can actually see his face in this video, so I'm just going to make this a little bit more accurate. There you go. That Now you guys probably recognize him. That's Rob Turkle, co-host of this uh, current podcast. He's down in Florida doing some fishing, doing his thing for Lunkers TV. You guys, if you haven't been, you need to go over there, check out. He is pumping out new content for y'all. If you're into that fishing hunting sort of thing, all right. In the world today, we got a couple things going on. One, the leader of ISIS has been killed in Syria. That's right, he's dead. He was shot down like a dog. The U.S. conducted an operation to kill the leader of ISIS and shot him down like a dog. If you guys haven't seen pictures of this dude's house, y'all need to go check it out. Like, it just dude it got f- wrecked for lack of better terms, like they, you know, the one thing that I love, regardless of who is in power and who is in our administration, you can always count on special operations forces, to just go and tear shit up. It's like, yeah, Biden might be in office, but the military is made to do two things, break and kill people. And clearly that is still functioning. Despite all the liberal policies that are going on in the military, it looks like our top tier guys are still out there rocking and keeping it real so good job everybody that was on that operation happy nobody got killed um everything went as smooth as a military operation goes you know it gets up from time to time but and the deal is uh he's dead so somebody else is going to come fill and take his place it's not like cutting the head off of snake somebody else is just going to step up so we would like to say this is a big deal really at the end of the day we need to keep up in that area to keep these people back over in Ukraine, no news has came out uh, since the last update I gave you guys yesterday. Nothing new has came out uh, as far as Ukraine goes. I did talk to a couple guys on the ground um, over there recently, and they are telling me that, yeah, obviously they're preparing for an invasion. Like, they, it, it is what it is. It's it's not like it's a secret. Um, everybody feels that way. And when you ask yourself what is going on in Ukraine and why— people in that country aren't necessarily reacting like we and the rest of the world are. Well, that country has been at war now for years. And those people have to carry on with their daily lives. They've been dealing with Russia on the border of that country for a very long time. And, and they know that it's, in, it's an everyday thing for them, right? Like when I was in Afghanistan, we would see Afghans walking around like their own lives. When I was in Iraq, uh, we'd get shot at we'd be getting in gunfights and people at some point in time would literally just stand on the side of the street and watch like it's an everyday thing so like when you live in these environments that's why it is the way it is I've seen a lot of people commenting well like the U.S. is blowing this out of proportion and no we're not it is a very real threat to those people over there but they have to carry on with their daily lives they absolutely have to all right so now we're gonna get into the main topics of what we got going on here the U.S. national debt and, and this is going to get kind of weird, you guys. You're going to go down a rabbit hole with me. I, I looked at the U.S. national debt, and then, you know, like, I, it got kind of crazy, and I was like, well, what are we focusing on? You know, with our, our, our debt, for those that don't know, topped $30 trillion. It's trillion with a T, not million, not billion, $30 trillion. To give you an idea how much $1 trillion is, just want to give you an idea of what a trillion dollars is. A trillion dollars is a sh- ton of money. Charles did some great research and he pulled up a picture of what a trillion dollars looks like compared to a human being. So you're seeing that now as I talk. <laughs> so yeah, that's what a trillion dollars looks like compared to a human being. It is a metric ton of money. There's 332 million people estimated in the United States in 21, 2021. 332 million. To give you an idea of how much money that would be for every man, woman, and child every man, woman, and child in this country for just $1 trillion would receive around 3000 That means for the $30 trillion in debt, it would be about $90,000. So every time you drive down the street, every single person that you see when you're out and about today... Every time you see a human being, I want you to look at that person and put ninety thousand dollars on their face and just every new face you see today as you go around, that's ninety thousand, ninety thousand, ninety thousand, ninety thousand, ninety thousand. As you drive down a highway and all those cars are whipping past you, like depending on how many people are in that car, it's ninety thousand, hundred and eighty thousand. You know, just do the math. It's insane. It's an insane amount of money that we're spending. It doesn't account for a lot of variables, but it gives you an idea for what the government has basically decided to spend our money on, and it goes to a lot of different things. All right, and this is what our elective representatives have basically placed on us as citizens, which is why it's important to get out and vote and make sure you know who's going to office. So there is a lot of major contributors when it comes to our national debt over the years. A lot of major contributors. There's things to look at, um, such as you know the housing crash in 2007, all the way through like what was it, 2009, 2010. And you see these like jumps in the price, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, uh, immediately after 9-11, um, all sorts of things throughout history have contributed to our national debt. And it continues to climb. And so when we have these major crises that appear, COVID, for example, there was a huge climb in our national debt right after COVID. It's, it's interesting to go and look. So this is, this is like stupid interesting. So in 2010, our national debt was at $13.5 trillion. 2010, $13.5 trillion. And I remember thinking back then, I was like, holy shit, that is a lot of money. 2013 jumps up again, 16.7. By the way, it jumps up every year. 2015, 18.1 billion, 2016, 19 and a half, 2017, 20.2, 2018, 21.5 billion. So between 2018 and today, we have accrued almost 10 billion dollars dollars or I'm sorry, ten trillion dollars in debt. Wow, I'm speaking all sorts of crazy. So between twenty eighteen and easily by the end of this year, with the way we're spending money, we've accrued ten trillion dollars in debt. Ten trillion. I want you to remember for every trillion dollars that it goes up, that's three thousand dollars the government has placed on you. All right. So just in the last, I don't know, what are we looking at? Five, five years? 2017 to 22. Yeah. So just in the last five years, $30,000 in debt from the United States government has been placed on you and your children for every child you have, for every adult, whatever. That's a lot of money. You know, that, that is, that is a ton of money. And at some point, um, the tail is, I mean, it, 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 it's going to end up tipping our scales in a very unfavorable direction. And every year our government goes in and they raise our debt ceiling and they say, it's okay. We're going to take on more debt. So, When we look at the U.S. national debt, we tend to look at it in percentage according to the GDP. So, in 2007, um, our national debt was about 62% of the GDP. That's a pretty significant number, right? Once it crosses over 70%, it starts having negative impacts. It starts having serious negative impacts, and this is according to economic theory. In 2010... We had that, like, you know, 2007, that's when the housing crisis kicked off or the bank crisis or whatever you want to call it, that's when it kicked off. So in 2010, it jumps up to 90% of the GDP. 90% of our GDP in 2010 for the national debt. Where does it sit at today? 124%. 124% of our GDP is debt. That's insane. That's more money than we, we could ever possibly produce if we were to just take it and throw it all into our debt. We, we couldn't even pay it off this year. That is absolutely freaking, like, absolutely insane. So when you look at prices and everything that's going up, when you look at the cost of inflation, when you look at everything that's going on, um, again, man, to it's it just, it's going to keep going. So I'm like, you know, if, if me as a U.S. citizen, this is what I want my government to focus on. Right? Like, myself as a U.S. citizen, I want my government to get its spending under control. I want it to stop wasting it on frivolous things. I want it to look at things that are not going to go to waste. Maybe things that are not going to be added onto my kids' head. And if we do spend that money, it needs to be for something great, like killing an ISIS leader in Syria. Like, that makes sense to me. Right? Let's spend some money getting rid of more butt heads. So I started looking, and I'm like, all right, well, what's our government focusing on? And you guys know me. Um... I love looking at things that are being passed over in Congress, uh, the different types of laws and things that are going on. But when all of that fails, our executive branch is turning more and more into executive orders, and they've just grown exponentially over the years. Executive orders have, and executive orders are kind of a problem if you don't know. Executive orders aren't like legislation that has to like then be yeah people have to later vote on and get rid of right. Like legislation, when legislation goes in, it's pretty much lasting. It's you know like it's it's going to be there minus a couple you know, exceptions. But an executive order isn't that way. If somebody signs an executive order, it basically says, this is how I want you to act during my presidency because the next president that comes in has the ability to veto that. And, and they have the ability to take it down. And they have the ability to change things. They can add to it. They can take away. They can put out their own. It doesn't matter. So an executive order isn't exactly lasting legislation that you should be dumping billions and billions of dollars into. Why do I say that? Well, Everybody's familiar with the Green New Deal. I mean, if you haven't heard of the Green Deal Deal, you need to go look at it. AOC made a big name for herself, and the Dems made a big name. Coming up with the Green New Deal. And we all know that shit got shot down because it's stupid. It's absolutely ridiculous what the Green New Deal was asking for. But when legislation fails, screw it. Let's do an executive order. Enter Executive Order 14057 Signed on December 8th of 2021, it's called Catalyzing Clean Energy Industries and Jobs Through Federal Sustainability. Now, this executive order that President Joe Biden signed back in December of last year, talking a couple months ago, December 8th, 2021, focused on a couple different things. it has got four major points that he focuses on. He starts off, um, I, I, I guess, to paraphrase this for you guys. In order to achieve net zero emissions by 2050, the executive order and accompanying federal sustainability plan set four primary goals. Goal number one is power. They want 100% carbon pollution-free electricity on a net annual basis by 2030. I want you to think about that. It's 2022. And this is for all federal facilities, right? Anything federal, this is what this is directed to because that's what the president can control. So it's all directed towards federal. Again, number one is power. 100% carbon pollution-free electricity on a net annual basis by 2030. Sounds good. Vehicles. Number two. 100% zero-emission vehicle acquisitions by 2035, including 100% zero-emission light-duty acquisitions by 2027, five years from now. Five years from now, Joe Biden would like to see 100% zero-emission light-duty vehicle acquisitions by 2027. Buildings themselves. Net zero emission building portfolio by 2045, including a 50% emissions reduction by 2032. Ten years, ladies and gentlemen. Ten years, 50% emissions reduction by 2032. Federal buildings and materials. Net zero emissions for federal procurement no later than 2050, including a buy clean policy to promote use of construction materials with a lower embodied emissions. Now, that within itself, ladies and gentlemen, is very admirable. I would like to think. It's very admirable to want to take care of the world. But where, what kind of an impact are we making on this and how much money are we looking at spending? Because, I mean, that matters, right? Like, it sounds good. It feels good. Um, it's a lot like recycling. Like, it, it sounds good and it feels good, but is it really good when we look at, like, the different carbon emissions that go into it? How much of it is actually thrown away? That, that's a whole other topic, right? For that executive order to come out and make those changes, the reason they do that, if you didn't know, The federal government is a very, very, very large influencer when it comes to contracts, businesses, um, and leading the industry, right? Because if the federal government wants something—look at firearms, for example. Like the Glock—what is it? The Glock 19X. We'll just look—we'll look at this. You know, like the United States Army put out a a contract or, or a bid basically saying, you know, hey, we want a new pistol. And so everybody comes out with a new pistol. You know, of course, we, we end up getting, like, SIG in on the deal, and that's, like, the new pistol that ends up going to the, the Army is the SIG. And so now the market is flooded with worthless things like the Glock 19X. I mean, it's a tan version of the Glock 19 with a tie-down hole because the military is apparently too stupid to keep track of their pistols. So you have to have something to tie it on. That's the type of shit that the government drives. Right. Like when the government puts out and says, we want this, that's what ends up happening. It affects the free market as well. It's not just the government itself. So with all that being said, you know, if and and I'm going to get into this in a second. But with all that being said, if the next president comes in office and is like, you know what, this is stupid for us to be wasting our money on this. Absolutely stupid. Where do you think all of these other materials are going to be dumped? Right. Like, what do you think the market is now going to be flooded with the United States of America? Great country itself. And I'm going to be forefront because I'm going to start talking about some little things like CO2 emissions. The United States of America is the world's second largest country when it comes to CO2 emissions. World's second largest country in CO2 emissions. But we're also a very large country with a population of 332 million people. Consisted quite a bit. China, just to give you guys a rough estimate, has about 1.4 billion people. Asia, the entire continent itself, has about 4.5 billion all right. One of the things I found when I was looking into all of the figures I'm about to go over with you is that there is a lot of estimates without a lot of actual hard facts, um, especially on the CO2 emission part. When we look at the Asian countries, when we look at the world's CO2 emissions as a whole and how everything's measured. You know, I, I, I poured over this thing for I, I went deeper down a rabbit hole into CO2 emissions than I've ever wanted to do in my life. Like, I feel like I should go put on like a set of Birkenstocks and like wool socks and just go live on the streets in Portland. That's how deep down this rabbit hole I went. And you know, what I found was that there really is a great disparity. But in general, the entire world is itself. All right, in general, this is this is Matt's estimate based on other people's estimates, based on averages, what the hell ever. I'm just gonna give you guys a nice round figure to make this a little bit easier. Around forty billion tons of CO2 emissions for the entire world. 40 billion. You're gonna call it 40 billion. So when I give you guys these figures and you're like, well, one plus one doesn't equal two, it's because all of these people that are doing all of this different research, nobody can seem to get their figures right. So 40 billion tons of CO2 produced in the world right now 2022 on average 40 billion tons so how much does the U.S. produce of that 40 billion of the 40 billion the U.S. produces around 4.5 to 4.8 billion tons of carbon per year that's actually quite a bit you know you're looking about 10 percent a little over 10 percent it's a lot we're also the United States of America we have a lot of people we live at a higher standard than most people when you look at a lot of African countries um, you know, those people that are living over there most, uh, there's a lot of people I know from my trips around the world that don't have electricity. They live in like straw huts and stuff. So like not making their bamboo, bamboo huts. There's schools that comprise of bamboo and everything else. So when you, when you look at that number and you think, hey, um, the U.S. produces almost 10% of the world's carbon, you got to think that we live at a very much higher standard of living in this country. And we produce a lot going back to the world, and there's a lot of people in the world that don't live to the same standard that we live here in the United States of America. So, yes, we do produce about 10% of the world's carbon pollution per year. Fact-ish. Well, it's kind of a fact because nobody really has a, a way of measuring all this crap out. But estimated fact, about 10%. I don't know if you can estimate a fact, but I think I just did. About 10%. But we are by far not the world's largest polluter when it comes to carbon emissions. Do you know who is? Here it comes again. Everybody loves the word. china China is the world's largest producer when it comes to CO2 emissions. About 10.6 billion metric tons of CO2 is produced by China every year. 10.6 billion metric tons of CO2 is produced by China every year. As a matter of fact, they're not even slowing down. China is putting one new coal-fired power plant online per day on average in the year of 2021. And it is continuing to grow. In 2020, they brought online more than three times the amount of coal-fired power plants than the rest of the world combined. Three times. So China produces twice as much of a carbon footprint as we in the United States do. And they are putting three times more coal-fired power plants. So even if the U.S., I'm going to throw this out here before I start diving into numbers about why this thing that Biden is focusing on and the Democrats are focusing on is... Even if the US went to a net zero carbon footprint, we just have zero tons of like we don't have any carbon pollution per year. China is going to make up for that in tenfold in a couple years here. And why is China doing that? Well, let's talk about what's going on here in the United States. It's estimated by the year 2026 estimated by the year 2026 that our demand for electricity in this country is going to exceed the supply. That's not very far away, right? But So by 2026, four years from now, our demand is going to exceed the supply. And we are moving now, thanks to the United States government, we are moving to a less efficient way of producing energy, right? The, if, even if we got all, if, 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 oh gosh, God, this hurts my brain to say. Oh, this hurts my brain to say. You want to see your pocketbooks hurt? Four years from now, I want you guys to invest In energy like it is going to be ridiculous if the supply can't meet the demand costs are going to skyrocket and you're going to start seeing things that we've seen in other countries like uh rolling power outages or peak hours certain things will be shut off or you're going to have limited capacity all right if you're wondering why companies like uh tesla are now putting power cells and focusing on solar panels and doing all that stuff they're not stupid they're they're actually really smart you know, they're doing all this stuff. And those little bits are actually helping contribute to give back to the power grid, but it's not solving the whole thing. Why do I bring all of this up? Because, ladies and gentlemen, if the U.S. government is 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 leading towards all of these electric vehicles and electric this and electric that, it is going to create a much larger draw on said power grid. Now, that estimate that I talked about, 2026, that was based on um, like some information from prior to this executive order coming up. Right. So prior to, and when we bring our carbon emissions down, now we have to look at other ways that they're going to be producing this. Right. Like what, what, where is it going to be coming from? Well, dude, nobody knows. Um, solar panels are going to be huge military. And and by the way, this executive order has some exceptions written into it. Okay. So it, it does give exceptions for people for national security purposes and everything else. Probably one of the most interesting things that the military does is they build redundancy into their systems. Right. Like, so if this was a military operations center and I have, secret and secure servers over here and other things going on. I'm pumping out operations. I've got satellite communications going on. I've got operations on the ground that are on ongoing. I have people that are out and about doing great things for this country. I have to make sure that I can keep up with those people. So I, I end up having in backup power systems. Those operations have grown so much due to the war on terror and everything that's going on around the world that those backup power systems are now being used as primary power sources to produce everything. And it's going to continue to grow. So now the government itself, and luckily it is built in there. So the government's saying, you know what, for actual operations that require 100% ability to work and function, you don't have to worry about this stuff. Don't worry about it. You know why? Because um, it's probably not reliable and it's not going to work. But for everybody else, you can kiss ass. So the government knows that this isn't going to work, but they're they're pushing it on us anyways. Let's go back. Let's keep talking because I am I'm, I'm, I'm going a little bit off subject. I'm sorry. Let's get back to this thing how much do you guys suppose that the United States government has to spend on all of this madness? Like when we talk about implementing this on an annual basis for them to go purchase and buy vehicles and and moving on and on and on and on. So the figure that I found, because again, it varies depending on how you're looking at what the purchasing power is for these people, but the purchasing power for the administration, right, that they're, they're basically looking at promising towards putting this in order to leverage and start getting there, is about a $650 billion annual budget. National debt, $30 trillion, $650 billion. That's a long way. It's a little over 50%. So if you remember that little picture that Charles posted for us that shows like that big thing, I want you to picture half of that trillion dollars, a little bit more, about 65% of that trillion dollars going towards this bullshit every year. Every year. That's what they're putting towards. About 1500 bucks to you going towards that a year. Government's you know, like, you know what? Um, just for this random executive order that somebody's going to overturn $1,500 for you, your kid, everybody that drives on the street, every person you pass, $1,500. Every single fucking soul that you see on the street today, $1,500 is to get taken out of their pocket and going directly to this bull. So who's a major contributor? Well, China obviously is a major contributor. China sends a lot of its people, or China produces a lot of it, right? Like I think it was... Uh, or 10.6 billion metric tons. There we go. China produces 10.6 billion metric tons of CO2. So China, regardless of even if we go to a zero, with the way that they're growing the way that they're increasing, whatever we do here in the United States and put ourselves further and further in debt just for a feel-good policy that's not going to affect the environment whatsoever. I mean, it will a little bit, but as a whole, it's not really going to do anything. It's not going to solve it. It's a global issue. And the U.S. being global leaders and stuff, that's at, that's how they're going to try to sell this crap to you. But really, they're just blowing your freaking money. And all of a sudden, your power goods are going to start getting shut down. So I would suggest that you look at some way of acquiring your own energy within the next four years because if this gets back in office, it's just going to make it worse. I'm just throwing it out there. <sighs> Here we go. So what about the rest of the world? All right, so Asia – and again, I told you these figures are not going to add up. Asia itself, okay, Asia itself, estimate for Asia itself, produces around 35 billion tons of CO2. Now, I know what you're saying. Matt, uh, you said just Asia itself and 40 billion total, but the U.S. produces 4.8 billion. That already puts us at like 39.8 billion, which is around the 40 billion you estimated for the. Yeah, I know, because none of these figures add up around the world. It's all based on a bunch of pseudoscience that nobody really f- can understands so and nobody can give a clear answer. Like, science is, like, clear to find numbers. This one appears to me to be just kind of, like, random bullshit. It doesn't even account for Europe. Like, I didn't even bring up Europe, but Europe produces um, quite a bit within itself. Ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand is that the United States government is taking your money, a metric ton of it, and putting it towards us, right? Just for their vehicles, fleets, buildings, whatever you have you, $1,500 a person per year as you drive by ever on a daily basis. That's what you're seeing. That's where your money is going. That's what it's going to It's absolutely ridiculous just for somebody probably to come into office a little bit later and shut it down just for a policy that is probably going to turn this country into a third world organization where you're you're going through rolling power outages. And for those of you that don't think rolling power outages, by the way, are a good deal for those of you that are listening, saying, well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it wouldn't hurt for us to cut back on our electricity a little bit. Let me I'm going to I'm going to tell you a short tale about this country called Iraq. Iraq had rolling power outages when I was there. Um, kind of sucks, to be honest with you. And I, and I kind of felt for those people quite a bit. I want you to think about all the things you do on a daily basis, like cooking. Most of you guys panic when your power goes out for like an afternoon because it's snowed and knocked down a power line, you immediately get on you start checking and being like, uh, "I want you to picture that happening on a daily basis, right around the time that you cook dinner, your kids get home from school, you have things that need to get done. A lot of people are working from home nowadays. All of those things are happening, and I want you to picture that stuff going out on a daily basis. And by the way, not at times that you can predict either. So you might be in the middle of your work, you might be in the middle of something, and all that stuff's going to end up going out. That is a very real possibility in this country within the next five to ten years if we don't get it together. But instead. Of getting our shit together and putting more plants online that are going to be able to produce the electricity that we need to keep this country running and and to keep up with our GDP to debt ratio, right? Because once the power starts going out, we're not like productivity is going out the freaking window, right? Like that's just going to suck. Heated at the stupidity of this government. So in Iraq, the rolling power had just started happening. People couldn't eat. People couldn't clean their stuff, so what happened? Massive riots. What do you know? Riots against the government. People actually got so pissed that they wanted to burn down the power stations that was supposed to be supplying them power. Look at what happened during the BLM riots. Look at what happened with everybody going freaking back crazy and all that. Do you do you really think Americans going to tolerate bad policies that affect them personally and affect putting food in the like the mouths of their kids? Like, ladies and gentlemen, this is a big deal. And our government's not taking it seriously. Our government's looking at it and being like, ah, you know what? Global warming. Yeah, global warming is real. Global warming is a problem. But we're not solving it by taking care of our own stuff and not focusing on getting our power grid to where it needs to be. Hey, here's a thought. Um, do you know what's kind of like zero emission or very damn near close? You know what's like very, very efficient? Nuclear power. Just throwing it out there. All these alternative power sources and everything else, nuclear power. For those that don't know how nuclear power works, uh, you know what, Charles – I'm going to pull a diagram, and I'm going to send it to you. So, boom, here's the diagram I pulled for Charles in the future. Nuclear power operates on a closed-loop system, okay? So it, it does have uranium rods that sit inside of it, and it basically boils water, and it goes in a circle, and it's and it has other water that goes through stuff that looks like a radiator. That produces steam, which drives a turbine. And it just does that on this random life cycle. Then you take that uranium that was dug in the, out of the ground, you put it back in the ground where it came from, and you walk away. That's it everybody likes to point to things like Chernobyl everybody likes to point to things like Japan all right Chernobyl was built by the Soviet Union it was shortcut it was short funded in a thousand of, there is a thousand things that would never pass here in the United States do you know like on average if somebody wants to build a nuclear power plant it goes through about 20 years of litigation legislation and legislation those things are being taken offline and, and nobody wants to put up with it Like, nobody is willing to do it. And instead, we're going towards things like these renewable energy resources and the government's pushing on it. And I'm not saying that maybe somebody might be receiving money in our government because it wouldn't, God forbid, um, we have somebody in our administration that we just talked about that that might be receiving money from other foreign agencies or other foreign governments that might benefit from this drastically. All right, so where do you think a lot of our supplies materials are coming from when it comes to this? I'm just going to throw it out there. Oh no, we didn't even release, Charles, we didn't release that yet. We didn't put that video out yet, but now that I'm thinking about it, the next video to come out after this one is 100% going to be on a little bit of thing called government corruption. And not just government corruption, like the entire government, I'm going to be focusing on a particular individual called Hunter Biden. All right, Hunter Biden has been up to some really, really shitty stuff. Really, really shitty stuff. And oddly enough, his father has not only been aware of it, He's claimed he was unaware of it, and he's been side-by-side with him, and actually brought him into certain situations to do it. All that stuff, ladies and gentlemen, is going to come out in the next video. So stand by tomorrow for that great, glorious video on why Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are pretty much screwed when it comes to their foreign affairs dealings and how they've abused your money to leverage power and put money in their pockets. That's coming out in the next one. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Speak the Truth Podcast. Rob, did you like it? Yes, Matt. I loved it very much. Hey, man. Have you caught any fish? No, I'm a horrible fisherman, but I did really good at the tournament last year. You know what you should use to help fish? What's that? An ugly stick. Okay. Maybe you should try guggenbaits, dumbass. I will. Thank you. Can I have some? Yes? Glorious. All right, everybody. See you next time.